You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 52 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. How are you doing? Hopefully great. Interesting question, actually. How are you? I've always answered that question the same exact way. Great. How are you? Whether it's true or not, and for a number of reasons. Number one, I don't think anybody really wants a medical report when they ask, how are you? And number two, unless it's somebody you're really close to, I don't think they really care how you are. They're too concerned with how they're too consumed with how they are. It's just something to say and a way to move through things. So when somebody asks, how are you? I always say, great. You? However, this is a little bit different. You and I are a little different. I do feel close to this audience and to those of you who listen to this podcast. It is very personal to me, so I am going to be real with you. I am going to tell you exactly how I am right now. And the answer is, I'm in it deep. And so is most of my team that works our daily radio slash TV show and our multiple podcasts. And the reason for that is one of our most valuable team members moved on to the next challenge. And this dude was something special, an absolute warrior, a workhorse, and a guy with an incredible skill set. So while I'm amazingly grateful for the 15 years, 15 years that this guy gave to the brand and me personally, I feel like I'm working 15 times harder right now than I have in years. And I know some of the remaining members of my team feel the same exact way. And I know some of you listening have been there, or maybe you're there right now. We had a well-oiled machine. We had a system that had run a certain way for a long, long time. And then suddenly, you find out that well-oiled machine needs to be revamped. And it needs to happen in two weeks or less. And there is no time for a rebuild. There is no margin for error. The world has never been more competitive. You cannot afford to have any slippage in your brand or in your product. So what happens? You thought you were going as hard as you possibly could, but then you find out you have to go harder, much harder, and not for a day or two, but for the foreseeable future. Then your routine is jacked. You start to eat what you shouldn't eat. You drink what you shouldn't drink. You skip a workout and then another. Then you're not as sharp because all these bad habits are creeping in and because you're not sleeping as well either. In short, it's starting to rip apart. So what do you do? You detach hard. Now, that sounds counterintuitive, right? I mean, you aggressively detach. You step back, you detach, and you take any and all emotion out of what's happening, and you look at it objectively. And no, I'm not saying that's easy. I know it's not. But you do it anyway. You stop focusing on the problem, and you start focusing on the solution. You stop telling yourself and those around you how hard it is, and you start attacking exactly what's in front of you. Like my friends in the military always say, prioritize and execute. Prioritize and execute. Instead of focusing on how shitty it all feels, figure out how to make it better. Then aggressively take action. Get real with the situation and with yourself. Own the situation. Own that that work is not going to do itself. Somebody has to do the work, and that somebody is you because nobody is coming to save you. Then flip it on its head. Flip your mindset completely. See everything as an exercise in discipline and mental toughness. Like if you're listening to me right now, I know you want to be mentally tougher. I know you want to be more disciplined. 
Well, here's your freaking chance. Convert everything that is hard and painful and uncomfortable into clean, burning fuel, rocket fuel. Use that fuel to become who and what you want to be. Use whatever challenge you're facing right now to prove to yourself and to the world that you're not going to blank, that you're not going to back down, that not only will there not be slippage, there will be growth, that this is actually the adversity you needed because without it, there is no growth. Not only do I believe this, I know this. You have a choice. You always have a choice in how you're going to react to any challenge or any adversity. You can lean into it and go to battle with it and yourself, or you can find a nice soft place to curl up, lie down, take a nap, and wake up hoping it was all just a bad dream. Myself, I choose the former. No. Working 15-hour days right now and the entire weekend, every weekend, may not be what I wanted, but it's exactly what I needed because my mission of reinvention was starting to lag a little bit and I needed to get my head right, my ass in gear, and get back on the path of true reinvention, the place that I and a number of you really want to be. So, plant your feet. Own your situation and life, and remember, no one is coming to save you. Nobody is going to do the work for you. Decide, commit, and execute, and let's freaking go. Damn, that felt good. And so will this. I cannot wait to share this conversation with you, and no BS, and all hyperbole aside, my guest is without question one of the most brilliant people I have ever met, one of the most accomplished people I have ever met, one of the most driven, passionate, but empathetic people I have ever met. He is an absolute powerhouse of a human being in business, the arts, philanthropy, education, you name it. There is nothing this man can't do, and I am honored and I am thrilled that he agreed to visit and share his philosophy on business and life with us. And yes, I am bearing the lead, but he deserves the buildup that I'm giving him right now. Peter Goober currently co-owns four professional sports franchises, including the L.A. Dodgers and the Golden State Warriors. He has made some of the biggest grossing movies in the history of the film industry. He is a CEO, a best-selling author, and a mentor to many, many, many people worldwide. And he is our guest on episode 52 of The Reinvention Project, and he is coming at you right now. So, Peter, it's been a little bit of time since you and I have spoken, so it's absolutely great to have this opportunity to do so once again. Thank you so much for making time. Peter, how are you? I am great. What's uh, The alternative is not to be great, so I choose to be great, choose to be purposeful, choose to be gracious for my bounty. All right, so I love that right there. Peter, is it essentially a choice? I mean, it's not as if the universe is out to get anybody, right? It's just a choice. Am I wrong? Absolutely. The idea is your attitude puts your aptitude on steroids. In other words, you just have to be active in your own rescue. Really, a if you decide to be a participant in your life, uh, you have to be active. And the idea is otherwise you're a passenger, and that is not a good result. I think that's gold right there. I could walk off on that, but I won't. But that, that is great. That is just great. Now, Peter, you have ownership in several professional sports franchises or 
Or, now wait a minute, maybe do you approach it as a renter as opposed to an owner? Is there something to that? I think that is the key thing. You're, 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 you're holding the keys uh, for a while. And you have to be generous with those who built it in the past and gracious for those who are going to take it in the future and recognize that you're in the experience business, the audience business, and that that you have an audience who and essentially in the teams own the team. They own the team in their heart, not just their wallet. And so you have to always understand that relationship capital to your audience is crucial for making your decisions. All right, so Peter, I want to go back to the audience in just one moment, but let's talk about the artists for a minute because of the diversity of your portfolio. You've worked with all types of different artists and athletes and performers. You've done this for a long, long time. Was there any point in your career where you had to remind yourself or even the other investors, hey, now, we are not the stars. We are not the performers. We are not the artists. The camera is not on us. We are simply here to facilitate and manage the process. Yeah, I think that when I first uh, I tried for some uh, about 25, 30 years ago for some major league teams and uh, wasn't able to accomplish the purchase, the acquisition. And then I uh, partnered with Magic Johnson. Magic and I partnered and we started in minor league baseball with a very small minor league team. And we realized that the same thing held true. These were the, an audience that owned the team and that we were rendering an experience to them. And I watched it, and I learned so much from it because ultimately um, that connection to your audience is crucial for your success as a business person running a sports franchise. You have to remember that all the time, that you that you have to not use the word ownership. You have to use the word as really you're a, 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 a participant in their experience. You're helping them make that connection to your players, to your team, to your franchise, to your venue. And in that case, you have to understand that they are the ones that make you successful. They make you successful because they support your team and support you economically. And so always keep that in your mind. And I learned that in minor league baseball and minor league hockey, watching the people who have an experience. I was in the experience business. I didn't look at them as customers. I didn't. I learned not to, not to aim at their, uh, their wallet, but to aim at their heart, and that made all the difference. It's so interesting. I can remember that, and you're right. Time goes by so quickly. I remember when you first started to do that, and you had that minor league team in Las Vegas, and then you figured that out. And what I'm hearing from you, Peter, is it's all about the experience, right? It's about the narrative. I mean, the world changes so dramatically, and technology changes. Everything seems to change so quickly. But will storytelling, storytelling in and of itself, will that ever go out of fad or style? If there, if there are human beings... They're run by narrative, their own narrative, which runs in their brain and their mind, the narrative that they tell other people what they want to do, how the, what they want to accomplish, or their children they're trying to train and coach. And narrative is the, is the you know, ability to move people emotionally and physically. And that will never go out of, out of frame. If, if it's, whether it was on uh, Gutenberg Press whether it was on radio, whether it was on television, whether it was on streaming, whatever it is, ultimately, whatever form it takes, narrative, the ability to express the desire and 
and will and requirement that you're asking someone or an audience to do, that is narrative. And your own narrative, your own narrative to yourself, how you voice your own narrative to yourself is crucial. So I look at the business as storytelling, whether it's the football business, the baseball business, the basketball business, movie or television, it's about story. It's about moving people emotionally. We are, I say to my people in my businesses, my sports business, we're in the emotional transportation business. That's the business we're in. We're transporting them emotionally. We're rendering an experience to an audience that's theirs. They're holding it. And we are the hosts of it, if you will. Hey, listen, do you own or run a small business? It has been tough the last couple of years. You might qualify, though, for a tax refund of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this is not a loan like the PPP was, but an actual refund of your payroll taxes. Omega Accounting Solutions is helping small business owners like you in applying for and getting this tax refund for your business. The tax credit is part of a federal government plan called the Employee Retention Credit Program, or the ERC. And in fact, in the last six months alone, Omega has recovered over $300 million in cash ERC refunds for businesses. Remember, it is not a loan, but it's a refund of your payroll taxes. Omega Accounting Solutions is helping businesses nationwide. So if you have more than five, but less than 500 employees, they are likely able to help you as well. A better business bureau partner and a champion for small business, Omega has 15 years of accounting experience. So find out if you qualify today. The program is available for only a period of time. So you want to call toll free 800-704-2000, 800-704-2000, or go online to omegataxcredits.com. You have everything to gain by determining if you qualify once again. That's OmegaTaxCredits.com. Peter, you, your energy is incredible. Your passion is incredible. Your will is still incredible. Your drive is coming through the phone right now. I know you want to create. I know you want to compete. My question is, after all of this time, what kind of fuel are you running on? What is making you go like this at this level? Because you've lost nothing at all. I can feel it coming right through the phone. Well, it's it's the graciousness of God who given me tools and resources, and it's my requirement to have resourcefulness to use those things to achieve, to to be purposeful, to create experiences, to feel the connection, not just the contact with uh, my audience, and to understand that I'm I'm lucky enough to be able to continue to do that. I have the facility to do that, so I want to do it. What is really interesting. And is that every engagement is different. Every engagement is unique. Every audience is unique. Every game is unique. If you listen to the baseball game, the the narrative of the game is changed every day. The narrative of a basketball game, the narrative of a football game is changed every day. And so the idea is you are in an active business. You're in a business where where you have a relationship with your audience, not just a transaction, but a relationship. And you have to earn it every day. You know that better than anybody. You earn your relationship with your audience by being authentic. That means you have to have your feet, tongue, heart, and wallet all go the same direction. Or they will get that you're not authentic and they won't own your experience or listen to you. And that's the same with me. 
No, I understand that. I understand that, and I agree with you. You have to re-earn that every single day. They will find, and now, Peter, you know this, now more than ever, because there are so many different options for them to get their content and consume their content and get it when they want it. You know, from your sports standpoint, let me ask you about the Warriors. Like, you've won four titles in eight years now. They have, you have, the entire organization has. I'm curious, Peter, how personally rewarding was this last one for you, and how was it different than the ones that came before it? Well, every experience, every experience, every movie, every television show, every engagement I have is different. There's so many moving parts to it. The audience is always different. The time is done. Contextually, it's different to what's around you. So each one is different. Each one has a different storyline, and that storyline is what makes it interesting. It's not the same. Every experience is different. And your willingness to, by the grace of God, to understand that's a benefit, not a burden. If it was the same all the time, it would be boring. But the challenge is always different. All the players are different. All the participants are different. All the experiences around are different. The fate of God handling whatever happens with injuries or some unique experience is different. So the idea is you have to approach it, and this is my key, as if for the first time. This isn't better or worse than another one. This is the only one I have. This is the only movie I'm making, the only television show. I'm on with you and your podcast, and I deal with it as if for the first time. I don't try to make it better than or different than some other one. I use it as a vehicle to be present, to be conscious and present, and as I said, as if for the first time. And when you do that, people connect with you in a unique way oh i love that i love that i mean it's one thing to say be where your feet are but if you approach every last thing as if it's the first time and you frame it accordingly you can't be anything but present i do love that you know in terms peter of storylines rolling stone of course came out with that report that steph curry said the team explored a blockbuster deal to bring back kevin durant recently can you comment on that is that true i don't think i don't think it's True or not true, I think that what you have is you have a rolling narrative. There's always people expressing uh, will, which becomes the story, and then is either dismissed or it becomes a seminal element to make the story true. I think the idea that uh, maybe somebody wanted uh, Kevin Durant back, uh, whether Kevin Durant was looking back fondly on his experience with the Warriors and what they achieved and what they gave to him and what he gave to them, I think all those things, there is no, no, nothing that's not possible. Is it probable? No, it's not probable. Was it possible? Yes, it's possible. It's always something that can happen. When he first came, it wasn't really probable, but it was possible. And the possible turned into reality because the players went there to, to Long Island and talked to him, and he was impressed by that, and he decided that's the move we'll make. The idea is when somebody's cogitating on whether they move back or go somewhere else, they look at all the possibilities. I'm sure he looked at that possibility. I'm sure we looked at the possibility, but it wasn't active. I mean, it wasn't something that was pursued. It wasn't something that you that was uh, gleaned from the world. It was something that was one of the possibilities that always could happen. Here's the idea, I think. The idea is this something is a possibility, it doesn't make it a probability. You explore it, you think of whether it's good for you, and then you either engage for it, and then you either win it or lose it. 
So you win some, you lose some, you make some mistakes by not evaluating it correctly. I think Kevin Durant's a very, very smart fellow. I know him and he's clever and he's always thinking with him and Rich Kleiman, his agent, of what's the best next move for him. So he's considering everything. The idea you consider something doesn't mean it's really active. It means you're considering it. I consider lots of things and then look at them clearly and say, not worth pursuing. And I think ultimately, probably he did that. And certainly we did that. So there was no there was no real active issue in that. I really, really appreciate that response. As a very quick and short follow, Peter, did it ever come close to fruition? Did you ever think that he might come back? Did it come close to that? Well, you know, let me answer the question in, in, in a little bit off way. I think anything that's a possibility turns into a probability when you have folks on both sides trying to achieve that result. I don't think that happened, all right? I don't think that happened. I think what it is is you always keep open all the possibility and you work on some things and you let God take care of the details. Really, I think that the idea that uh, anybody could move anywhere today is a possibility. Whether it becomes a probability, you need both parties to really look at it and say, is the benefit bigger than the burden? Is it worth pursuing? Is there a reasonable chance we can achieve it? Is it worth the energy of doing it? Will it disrupt the present organization? You do that in movies, in television, in your business, in my business. So you always have a broad number of cards in your hand, and how you play them is how you play them. you got to play the hand you're dealt. I understand this. Peter, so speaking of movies, I'm curious, what was your first exposure to Tom Cruise, either in person or on film, and what do you remember about that? I've known Tom a long time. He did his very first movie in a tiny part, Franco Zeffirelli, and then this Love. It was a tiny, tiny part. Um, and then uh, I did I did uh, uh, two movies with him, A Few Good Men and Rain Man. I won the Oscar for Rain Man. So I, I've, I've known Tom a long time. He's a really good person he's been a nice friend i don't socialize with him but anytime we see each other we always have a good smile a good talk a hello a, a hug and he's been very generous to me emotionally and with his time so i hold him in high regard certainly as an actor he's phenomenal and as a producer he's superb so he he he, he is totally authentic his feet tongue heart and wallet all go the same direction and when he works on a project like he worked on with Top Gun and any project he worked on, he is all in. He's all in. He is he is Tom Brady. He is he is on his game. And every detail is crucial for him. Every detail. No detail is small. And so I respect his professionalism. I respect his attitude. And I'm impressed by the films he's done. You know, it's amazing. He he's arguably certainly was, and maybe even still yet, the biggest movie star in the world. But to your point, Peter, I think what impresses me the most, and I'm a big fan. I've always been a big, big fan of Tom Cruise. It's his longevity. It's how enduring he is. The fact that he is still on top after all this time, that's amazing. Peter, let me share something with you. I, when I think about you and our personal relationship, two things come to mind. I remember coming to your house once, and I want to say maybe it was in the mid-90s, but knowing you and your, your recall for all things, do you remember when you made a movie, and I think 
think it was about Dennis Rodman, and I think that we saw the debut at your house. Yeah. Is that right? Do you remember that night? Yes, right. And I remember sure, we came down for I, that. Uh, bad as I want to be. That was based on his book. I did two movies with him. I did that movie with him, uh, which was his autobiography, so to speak. And then I did I did a movie in in the south of France with him, the Jean-Claude Van Damme, an action picture. And he was a, a remarkable guy. Let me say this. In, in Please. This, he was a no-nonsense person on the set. He showed up on time. He was completely committed. He did the publicity. He did the work on the set, never fooled around, on time, organized, you know, completely contrary to the to the other views that that uh, uh, people say about him. I found him to be, you know, completely authentic as a performer, completely. And now he, I'm not talking about him as a basketball player. I don't have no experience on that. But as a as an artist, as an actor, and as a professional person, terrific. So interesting. So what sports movies do you currently have in production? Uh, well, we just we did Last Dance and then we did uh, The Captain, mainly sports media. And and now we just finished shooting a film, big film, theatrical film uh, for Sony in uh, Louisiana uh, called uh, uh, it was the George Foreman story. We're going to call it a, a different title than ju- just George Foreman story. But it, but it was a story about how somebody really turns around their life. And it's a great film. Forrest Whitaker's in it. Big picture. We're excited about it. And uh, um, that comes out in February. And then I just finished another film um, about, it's called Air Jordan, with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Chris Tucker and Viola Davis and Jason Bateman. And that's about the Sony Vaccaro of the Sneaker Wars. Hmm. So we just finished that. And we're doing another film. We have lots of documentaries in sports and, and features in films that we do. When I say about sports, it's not about sports. It's about the narrative of sports. You know, no, no, one, goes to, no one goes to these movies to see the sport. They go to see what the story is. So um, I do a lot, a lot of product in, in that area, a lot of, a lot of films in development in in uh, in uh, UFC, in basketball, in football, all all different areas because I have good relationships and I watch for those kinds of stories. And I think audiences like sports stories. Ever since I did films like Rudy or um, Vision Quest in wrestling or um, uh, the hockey movie with uh, in in the in the seventies, I always love sports because sports is a terrific narrative space for movies. I think that your bandwidth, Peter, is absolutely amazing. Now, tell me if this is wrong. Like, when I think about, and believe me, nobody's a bigger fan of a sports movie or a sports narrative than I am, but if you take George Foreman, right, we know, we might not know the individual intimately, but we know the person, we know the narrative. Do we not already know the outcome? For instance, when we go to sporting events, we don't know how it's going to end. That's the beauty of it. But when you make a movie like that, do we not already know the outcome? And if we know the outcome, how do you hook the audience and get them to come? Because it's not a how-to, it's a how-come. What happened? What what kind of transformation went on for a person that was a difficult, hard-driven, uh, mean-to-some-extent person 
and how he turned his life around. And remember, he came back 10 years after he retired. He was 40 pounds overweight to win the heavyweight championship of the world. And so it, it's not uh, it's not a how-to, it's a how-come. And the idea is the narrative was so compelling, script was so good, that Tony said, let's make this movie. So uh, that's where, where it comes. Nobody knows, listen, nobody goes to know, to go to the movie and see who won. And the reason why, think about it, if you make, if you make uh, uh, the Stallone movie, you know, you make, the, you make Rocky. If you see Rocky and you go to see Rocky and you go in the theater, same guy wins. Now you watch it at home, same guy wins. Now you watch it on a movie, th- uh, on, on an airline, same guy wins. Nobody goes to see who really wins. It's how they win, what they do, what challenges they had, what interpersonal relationships makes the narrative so compelling. So the idea is most people know how the ending turns out. Most people know what the ending is. Even before the movie, they go to the movie. What they don't know is how it came to be. And that's really the key of a movie that makes it so different than a sporting event. A sporting event, nobody, almost nobody watches the Super Bowl two days later on television. <laughs> really, it's a Super Bowl. You look at the rating, it's like 0.02, all right? But you go and watch it when it's happening because it's not only how it happens, but what happens. Who Who's going to win? Once they win, how it happened doesn't mean as much. But in a movie, how you win means everything. How you survive, how you overcome your obstacles, how you become uh, the champion, how you how you deal with adversity. That is what the narrative is about in, in films. Peter, I so appreciate it's not, all it's not It's not a how come, it's a how to. How to, how to. I, I get that distinction. I'm so glad that I asked that question and you explained it like that. I'm so grateful for, this t- for, grateful for the time, I should say. Before you go, Peter, I want to ask you about somebody that I that – I, I have great respect for Dave Roberts. He is one of my favorite guys. Now, personally, having said that, I don't think that he gets a fair shake. In fact, I think he gets a bad rap. For instance, when the team wins, seemingly he has nothing to do with it, and the team won in spite of him. And then when the team comes up short, it always seems to be his fault, and he's the guy that everybody's coming for. I'm curious. What do you think of his baseball acumen, and how do you grade him in terms of the things that really matter to you, like intelligence and creativity and passion? Well, those are all the key qualities you just mentioned that are important for anybody in leadership, whether it's in sports or in business. You know those are all the key qualities, how they're parsed, how they're woven together, how they're expressed. That's the talent of the narrator, you, me, Dave Roberts, whoever it is. That's the talent of it. Uh, and so the idea is you you have to know when to use those different resources resourcefully. And he has a very, very unique attitude about expressing himself. He does it quietly, directly to his players. He he doesn't deal with, with hyperbole. He tends to be gracious in rewarding people with their success and narrating their success to others. He tends to be if he is going to be critical of somebody or uh, concerned about their performance or their or their attitude, he'll do it privately. He doesn't do it in a public manner. He isn't verbose in that sense. And really what he understands is he has to have a relationship. See, he's in relationship capital is his business. He's in the relationship business. He has to have a relationship with the players, the owners, the other coaches. 
He has to have a relationship with the audience. That means the fans. He has to have a relationship with baseball in general. So he has a lot of different people that he has, and organizations that he has to manage with his narrative. And so he has to be careful. So he has to be thoughtful. And what he does is he is confrontive, but he isn't bombastic. He was willing to be take a punch from the media or a punch from somebody and not just immediately strike back, but ask himself, what can I learn from this? How can I best express my response? He is very, very, I want to use this word, uh, he's very relationship capital oriented. He, he holds that as a very high quality. He, he doesn't get angry. He tries to find out what is going on. What is this person asking me? What does this problem present to me? And then he takes a little break, a little pause, and answers it responsibly. He isn't, doesn't shoot. He doesn't fire ready aim. He's ready aim fire with all of his relationships. I agree with you. I think that's very well said. So, Peter, can you leave us with this thought? What does it mean to be mission-driven? Because I know how important that is to you. And then how critical is that to any of us trying to become the best version of ourselves? Well, I say it in my own unique way. It's my own way. You've got to always know what the main thing is. And your job is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's what I always remember. And I think about it. I'm saying, if I'm working on something today, what's the main thing? And then I think, that's what I have to keep focus on. I have to keep it center screen. I have to remember, that's what my audience has to get. That's what my players have to get. That's what my fans have to get. What is the main thing? And if you don't know what the main thing is, then all of your language is gibberish. Then all of your narrative is gibberish. Because you don't know. It's not coming from your center. It's not coming from a clear place inside you. So even you to you, even when you narrate to yourself, you've got to know what's the main thing. And sometimes people, including myself, do something that's not the main thing and wonder why they don't get a good result. Because they didn't take time to think about what it really was they wanted to accomplish. They didn't really understand what their goal was. They didn't have a clear intention before they put their attention on their mouth and tongue. My main thing, Peter, was to find a way to get you to come on this podcast so we can have this very conversation. I cannot tell you how much I just got out of that, how much I appreciate you, how much I admire you, and that was just wonderful. Peter, thank you so, so much for making time for that. Be well, Jim. If you need me anytime, I'm here. I mean, amazing, right? Again, I give enormous thanks to Peter Guber for making the time that he did to do that. And I think that he did it because, number one, we're friendly. But more importantly, he did it because he's an incredible human being and he wants to give back. He wants to mentor. He wants to share. He wants to teach. He wants to empower. He wants to leave the world in a much better place than he found it. Now, I know Peter, but I am still absolutely blown away by that conversation. I mean, I want to say age is just a number, but again, I want to be real with you. I'm looking where I am right now as I approach age 58. I'm trying to figure out how can I get better? How can I feel better? How can I perform better than I ever have before? I do not want the game to blow by me, but is it realistic? I think so. I hope so. This is why I'm doing all this, but I don't know for sure. Is it possible for me to do my best work at this stage of my life? I think, but I just don't know. And then I listen to Peter Goober. He's 80, 80, 
And frankly, no offense to any of you listening or myself, but he's probably more accomplished and wealthier than all of us combined. And no, money is not everything. Money cannot buy you happiness. But I'm willing to bet that Peter's kids, 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 and their kids will never get to what he's made. Yet he's still out here killing it. More driven than ever, sharper than ever, more competitive than ever, more eager to learn than ever, more energetic than ever, and at 80, loving the game, loving life, and living every single minute, every single day to its fullest. Healthy mentally and physically because he lives with great intention and passion, and I am blown away by this man's energy. He is electric. So if you feel like you're aging out at 45 or 50, or maybe you're a young person and you're not matching his energy, ask yourself, why not? And then acknowledge, that's a warrior right there, but a spiritual, intellectual, empathetic warrior and an absolute inspiration to all of us. Man, live with energy, positivity, curiosity, and get after it every single day. That clock is spinning. Stop wasting time. Stop complaining. Start figuring shit out. Again, decide, commit, execute, and let's freaking go. Once again, that felt good. That felt good. I love doing this podcast. If you like what you heard, can I ask you to give this podcast a review? That would be awesome. Can you share it? And can you make sure you're subscribed? Thank you so much for doing all that. I appreciate you more than you will ever know. Stay strong. Stay after it. And I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.